Lake was talking about revival in Kentucky, you know, revival starts in the heart. Right. People's hearts get ignited for the Lord and revival breaks out. Amen. And, uh, my, how we need that. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, we've kind of been on a, kind of a kind of a platform or a theme or whatever you might want to refer to it as. Uh, this Sunday night we, we talked about uh, good and bad and how we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer basically for the good and bad and be judged by the good and bad and uh, a lot of discussion in that. Uh, we had a good time Sunday night and uh, had quite a few examples surfaced from out in the congregation of good, of bad. Um, problem being our world today, it's, it, it's I guess for many getting harder and harder to differentiate between what's good and what's bad. Uh, that should tell us something. Uh, anyone that's existent on this planet, if they are a Christian, a bona fide, genuine Christian, they ought to know the difference between good and bad and practice it. Um, I want to just ask a question, and I, you know, I ask a lot of questions, but this comes to me in this way. We're a society, right? We're a society. We make up a society. We're part of a society. Every one of us. In totality, the globe is a society. It's a global society made up of a lot of civilizations. We're a civilization. There have been civilizations throughout the course of history, ever since creation. What controls a society? Think about it. These are elements of a society, powerful ones. We can be pretty powerful in our control techniques. Individual can be. Some people are controlling individuals. Governments can be very <coughs> controlling to the point of brutally controlling. But we think about it, and we, we have to as Christians, when if we'll discipline ourselves and train ourselves that, that when we think about really anything, if we'll try to think about it in a spiritual sense, we're better for it. Because too often we form our own opinions, we've already got our own ideas, and before you know it, when you're, you'll connect with that own personal idea, and that becomes your answer. Which may not be, it may be right, but it may not be. I picked up on something and I caught it when Lath opened again. He said, uh, they may not even know what they're doing. And you're exactly right. We've been over that recently. They don't know what they're doing because their minds have been corrupted. And God forbid, as his word declares, they have been turned over to that reprobate mind. Which I discussed here not long ago how scary a thing that is to no longer have any sense of 
what's right and what's wrong and 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 when God again I got to say this when God turns you over he turns you over and that's just pretty much past the point of any opportunity for a chance anymore and Lord help I think we have a lot of people in our society today that that's already happened to I pray not because a soul going to hell is a terrible thing uh, like I said got to pray for them you might not like what they're doing and I agree it's hard sometimes it's hard when you see doing what they're doing and acting like they're acting and just terrorizing the planet basically uh, there are ways to pray though you don't pray for their succeed so we have to be careful how we pray too uh, you know there's some instances where Paul himself said uh, turn them over to Satan for the salvation of their souls what's a stout statement yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about a word tonight in response to that question of just what controls society? What what really controls society? What is it? The word's not even found in the Bible I'm getting ready to give to you. It's not found in the Bible. But it is emphasized all through the Bible. You won't see the particular word. But if you know the Bible, if you read the Bible, you will see the emphasis of it over and over and over again. Keep that question in mind. What controls society? When I say control, control can be good, control can be bad. Good control takes us a good direction. Bad control takes us a bad direction. And the control lies wholeheartedly, I'll say it this way, in the majority of those who are trying to gain the control by the means that they're all about. That's happened multiple times through history. There's no even, not even any room for argument. No, it's, not. it's happened multiple times. The Bible records it. Over and over and over again. God had patience with people. But at some point, God has to render judgment. Now, this word I'm about to give you, um, either the implementation of it in a society or the rejection of it. <coughs> is the major controlling factor, the major controlling factor of whether a civilization thrives and survives or that they fall to their own demise and are destroyed. What is it? What is this thing that controls society? What is it that has the ability to either cause survival or to bring about destruction? What is it? It's really a word that it's not, I don't think it's really used all that much. But it has great significant meaning. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Morals. I can take you back to empire after empire. The Roman Empire. Babylonian. I mean, it's just, I can name them over and over and over and over again. 
And there was argument to this. There's argument, what I'm about to say, those that uh, basically, basically it's an atheistic argument, but they'll argue that the, the moral decay is not the reason for the fall of civilizations. Civilization, I beg to differ, because the Bible records otherwise. This is the instrument of fact. Fact beyond fact. When we talk of, of fact earthly, it just bears <coughs> certain significance. But I'm going to tell you, the Word of God is pure, undefiled fact. And what it says is the truth. And what it records has happened multiple times over. What are morals? Standards, are we, standards we go by. Standards we go by. Well, that's pretty good. What kind of standards? If you're a Christian, hopefully God be standards. Should be good or bad. I loved your first word, if. Because there's a lot of room for uh, observation that certainly proves otherwise. Now, what's the importance of all this? What's the importance of morals in a society? Go ahead. Morals govern behavior. There you go. And who behaves? We do. We do. Or either we don't. Or we don't. Well, yeah, you do. You behave in one way or the other. Sure. Exactly. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's, yeah. that's it. Everybody get that? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and really, when you, when you define morals, it, it gets real extensive. Now, it, it is. There's, there's fairly short definitions, but the extensions off those definitions are it's tremendous. It's amazing. Of the effect that morals have. You look at Morals, uh, as has been said here, uh, they are principles that directly affect behavior. Whatever kind of behavior it might be. Now, you, with, you, hear, you hear moral and you automatically think, well, moral's good. Well, not always. We like to think that and we like for it to be. And the really the term for not moral is immoral. And it's one or the other. But the bearing being the effect that morals have on every society that has ever existed and that exists now and will exist if God tarries past this one. Mm -hmm. Now, as we're talking about this, keep in mind the observations which has been stated over and over and over again as we look upon the society that we exist in, the fragmentation and even to the point of decay of the morals of our society. So we've got to ask ourselves, where is it headed? Is that headed for good? If it's bad, it cannot be headed for good. Right? Speaking of biblical civilizations or societies or nations or what have you, it's multiple in here. It is entirely observable. Matter of fact, many times, more than not, it names the immorality that caused the societies to crumble. You know what's amazing? 
they're not any different than what's going on right now. The devil uses the same old game, the same old game pieces, the same stuff. It's all the same. That took the nations of old down, it's the same things that's affecting our society today. And I've got to urge here and I've got to, to, to just emphasize and drive that is, is, it is the Christians that make the difference in what I'm talking about here. Christians are supposed to have morals. Amen. Christians are supposed to have morals. What kind of morals? I could develop, okay, I'm going to develop a moral person. I'm going to say, here's my moral, you do it. Is that 100% trustworthy? No. Not at all. Why? Does it come from a man, right? Then what morals are Christians supposed to follow? Scriptural. Even though we don't see that term in his word, what are they? Biblical, godly. What happens when that's strayed away from? What happens when Christians adopt immoral things and develop belief systems off of it? And start to believe and even practice that immoral things are okay and fine? What does that cause? It causes a lot of things. Personal spiritual deterioration for one thing. I've talked to some lately. For the life of me, I cannot figure out where they get that what they're doing or what they support or what they promote is fine and okay. I do not get it. Either they don't read the Bible or they're blind and they're deaf. And the Bible's explicit about this. It's not a mystery. It's not something you got to try to calculate a formula to get the answer. It's over and over and over again. Because maybe we don't see it as morals, because it's not in the Bible. But morals, godly morals are dictated by godly standards. Where do godly standards come from? The Word of God. It's the only way that we can receive what we need to have in order to walk in a moral way. Now, been said already, morals are a person's behavior and beliefs concerning what is and is not permissible and, and acceptable. Is anything even being weighed anymore as far as acceptability or permissibility? It, it doesn't look like it, does it? It looks like it's just all thrown in the mix together and what comes out is what we're going to deal with. What we're going to do. By the way, that is a definite sign of demonic activity in case you need to know. He delights in immoral activity. Stirs it. We talked about morals Morality is subscribing to a set of morals. 
That's what we are supposed to become. Walking in morality. Exhibiting morality. Displaying morality. Speaking morality. There's a lot involved. See, I told you it's broad. It's a broad area. Mm -hmm. It really involves everything you do in life. It's your whole makeup. It's your whole being. Morality just doesn't apply at church. Or somewhere else you might want to designate. It's everywhere. It's all the time. Either a person is or they're not. And if you're not moral, you're immoral. There's no, there's no term for middle ground. Except maybe stupid. <laughs> That's not biblical either. That was funny. Um, comments up to this point. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Thought, man, this ought to start some thought. It ought to start again this self check examination that we all need to do more of. I'm so deep in thought, I can't talk, right? All right. That's good. We need to be deep in thought, meditation. You said something golden right there. We don't need to all the time have our mouth open. Trying to tell somebody else how to be moral when we got problems ourselves. Thought and meditation is huge. Lord, how can I be more moral? Yes. Scriptures, dwell on the scriptures. Get them scriptures that, that go back and look at what I'm talking about. Read about these civilizations, these societies, people, just individual people that have failed because of their immorality. Right. And and the consequences of that. There are consequences to immorality. <coughs> You might not see it immediately. You might not even see it in this life. But I guarantee and promise you, you're going to see it one day. That's right. If you're an immoral person. They're right. demoral. But do people really understand what morals are today? That's why this is being taught tonight. Because I don't think so. You know, that's just like me coming in here and I'm telling you, Brother John, I'm here for your moral support. Well, that's like Larry Moe and Curly over here. Larry and Moe goes in and robs this gas station. Old Curly stays in the back seat. He just gets out and does nothing, but they get stopped. Officers pull out three of them. Well, there's only two of them there doing the robbery. Well, old Curly says, Officer, I'm just here for their moral support. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you said several things there that all in one lot bear a lot of uh, conversation or, should, or spark a lot of conversation. One of them is uh, guilt by association. Yep. I've had that more often than you know. <laughs> I didn't do it, I didn't do it, but you were there. Yes. Somebody probably know what I'm talking about. Um, the, the implications and the, or the involvement in other than moral activity it's seducing, it's damaging, it's destructive, and it will not end well. Again, there's proof. Many, many, many times over. Did somebody else, did you have your, somebody have your, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that we talked about this in here before, even in Sunday school, that we obviously know that, I mean, we recognize as Christians that God is the, the moral arbiter of, you know, the universe. I mean, he's the one that sets the standard. And what happens along, and I can't really pinpoint a spot exactly where, but at some point in time, 
you know, ruling figures from presidents down to governors, state representatives, senators, uh, mayors, you know, just the, the, the leaders. Uh, they, they wanted morality, but without the moral giver. And that's where everything that's went where wrong. That's where we're going, yeah. And so it's, it's what I've noticed in society is, is that we don't want you, God, but we want to try to hold up the morals that you created and gave, and we're going to try to put them in the system. If you'll notice, it's failing. Yes. And it will continue to fail because we don't have the moral giver to back it. Exactly. Yeah. And neither do we have near the ability within no. ourselves to, even though we're going to get to a place in a minute where that is the very thing that's taking place. Right. It's become a man thing instead of a God thing. Exactly. Anybody else? Okay. Um, a little more on immorality. Talk about morals a lot. Immorality is being in a state, a state of not conforming to or accepting standards of morality. <clears throat> Anybody seen any of that lately? Mm -hmm. Not conforming to, not accepting any standard of morality. No, I'm just being honest. The more I look around, the spookier it gets. Mm -hmm. Not that we're to run and cower in fear, but I mean eerie, eerie spooky. Yeah. Like you, you can see the demons just dancing. Yeah. And they always do in the midst of immoral activity. Yep. Immoral activity is not vacant of spirituality because there's demonic spirits, I guarantee you there. Yeah, see, right. that's what further compounds the problem. More intensified. More immoral activity, more demonic insertion and control. Now, morals and ethics are two cousin words. They're closely related. We talked about morals, principles that govern behavior or attempt to bring about behavior anyway. And, uh, Ethics uh, are guiding rules, rules, now listen because this is important, guiding rules that keep one on course by prescribing direction that is to be followed. What's our ethics? They're coupled up closely to morals. You can't really have morals unless you have ethics. Right. You can't have proper ethics unless you have morals. And we've probably all heard ethics. Now, ethics can be good or bad. Actually, the mafia, anybody familiar with the mafia? You know, organized crime? They have a code of ethics. <laughs> One's a code of silence. That they don't say anything if it's involving another of the syndicate or the criminal brotherhood. One reason is get you shot real quick, mm -hmm. and the other one is they have they have sworn to this code of silence. No matter what anybody did, they're not going to say anything. Does that ring a bell? No matter what they do, it's not going to say anything. Yeah. You know what that causes? More of the same. Right. More of the same. Just a thought. Now. 
speaking of morals and ethics, and I know I don't want it to get confusing because we're not trying to, to be technical here in the sense of, of psychology or, or uh, wordsmith, whatever. Uh, this is biblical. It's biblical. Morals are biblical. Even though, again, the word's not in the Bible, they're totally biblical. And they're front to back. And again, if, if you just just in the in the way of just certain individuals biblically, probably some of you here, if not all of you, can bring to mind, oh, I know one individual that their immoral activity really cost them dearly. And others it caused their total destruction. And on the other hand, because they were moral and because they were godly, look what they did. I've been reading in the book of Kings again. I'm reading through it again. It's amazing. You get good king, bad king. Two, three bad kings and then a good king. Then two more bad kings. And really good kings are, are bad kings far outweigh the good kings in, that uh, occurred in uh, the history of Israel and Judah throughout the generations. Right. But when a good king ruled the people, good things happened. When he had proper and decent morals, the society flourished. Yep. doesn't say that they didn't have enemies, but when the enemies came, guess what happened to the enemy? <coughs> 200 whooped 10,000 of, of the enemy. Right. That's the blessings of God on moral people. Amen. But when a bad king took the throne, oh my goodness, yes. one after the other, terrible things began to happen. Right. Do you know some of them even sent their own children into the fire as sacrifices? Yes. I had to read that a second time and a third time. I guess I missed that. Through all the times I'd read through Kings, there it was. Two instances, two separate kings sent their own children into the fire as a sacrifice to Baal. Is it any different today? Can I give you a figure? 60 million to date? What? Mm -hmm. They're called babies. They're called unborn children. Oh, I know you're going to get argument with that. See, see what, see, see how rights, my rights, take precedent over morals, even though the right be wrong. That's what happens when society begins to fracture morally. That's not only, there's other examples as well. We, we're seeing an onslaught of illicit and ungodly and wicked and evil sexuality that is beyond anything that has ever been seen. And it's happening more and more and more and the frequency is higher and higher and higher and it's like, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. We're talking immorality. These are the extreme examples, but there's a lot of examples that we might, we, you might never consider as being immoral. Let's go to some scriptures in the book of 1 Corinthians. And this is an area we've actually been here before, but I'm, I'm not going to expound on the, on the whole thing, but I want to bring out a couple of particular verses. If I read these, I'm going to read them quickly because we've been through them before and even, even uh, defined them before. 1 Corinthians 6. This whole course of this chapter, Paul is addressing certain things, certain areas 
that are destructive to individuals that are destructive to society that are immoral even though again that's not the word that's used but I can knock some of them down here verse 8 says you're wrong defraud that your brethren even said the unrighteous ain't going to inherit the kingdom of God don't be deceived fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate abusers themselves, mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers Extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we, I think we could all look at them and say, yeah, that looks like some pretty immoral activity, right? We need to be in agreement about that, actually. Christians need to be in agreement about what's immoral. More and more and more we see, well, it's just a little bit immoral. Really? A little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. A little immorality will rot the apples in the barrel, all of them. So just mark that or whatever, because again, I'm not going to expound on that, but I want to get down here to the to the part that really drew my attention. Um, let me say this first. The Bible is the foundational depository. Is the Bible your foundation? Amen. Is it what you live on, stand on, believe, trust in, adopt as your code of ethics? As your moral compass? You ever hear that word? Where should your moral compass point? Well, Godward. Always Godward. There's no room for deviation. Let me tell you, anybody here ever used a compass? You ever been lost and had to use a compass? Did you trust the needle or did you deviate off? Say, well, no, that don't sound right. I think I'll go this way. Did that get you anywhere other than further lost? Absolutely. Yeah, further lost. Same way with God. Your moral compass has got to be God. It's got to be pointed towards God, and it can only be pointed towards God in the confines of Holy Scripture. That's your that's your parameters. That, that's your course. That's your walk. Regardless what anybody tempts you to do, what your mind thinks you want to, you've always got to bring it back to the moral compass of God. That will always keep you out of danger. The uh, Bible provides instructional advice over and over and over and over again. All you got to do is read it. It'll give you the answers to the direction you need to go. The, the Bible could be considered, I want you to get this, it could be considered a, a factual history book. Because that's what it is, it's factual. Again, it's factual. A factual history book containing the consequences that happened to people that were both moral and those that were immoral, as I stated earlier. Right. There are many, many, many accounts of consequences alone. Because they did this, this is what happened. Severe judgments. Sometimes on the spot. Wasn't reserved for another time. It was right now. Wham. Done for. Earth done swallowed you up. Closed up on you. 
What was the king sitting on his throne and was eating the worms all of a sudden because he was immoral? I mean, that's just, you know, we cannot take lightly the consequences of immorality. As Christians, we absolutely cannot take that lightly. We've got to refine ourselves. I said revival starts in the heart. Well, revival includes getting ourselves back to a moral, on the right moral compass with God. That means doing what God expects out of us. Living for God and applying ourselves towards God, that keeps us again within the perimeters of morality and keeps us from straying off into immorality. Folks, it's all around us. It's like a sticky goo. You just It almost gets on you anywhere you go. The atmosphere is thick with it. So it, it, it takes, it requires, first of all, absolute trust in God, absolute trust in Jesus Christ, absolute trust in this Word as our shield and our weapons against it to keep us in a moral sense, not an immoral one. In our day, it seems many have just entirely abandoned, the, 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 if you want to even call it a concept, the concept of morality. They've just abandoned it. Or either they've tweaked it and twisted it and manipulated it to make it fit their agenda or their particular lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know what justify means? You make right what's wrong. Now you can only do that in your own sense. Because you're not going to do it in this one. People can justify all they want. And I've heard, I've heard it. Man, I've been listening. I'm thinking, a kindergartner knows better. You don't even have common sense what you're saying. You're trying to justify absolute all-out immorality and make it right. Yep. Just as wrong as can be. Right. Just as ungodly as can be. Immoral. See, immorality among the church weakens the church. Mm-hmm. Whatever sense it is, what, whatever action it is, whatever immorality it is. And... Oh. You know, as James pointed out, let me say, morality and immorality begin in the mind. Or heart, really. The heart, you know, that's what starts things. Desires. Actions of immorality is when it becomes sin. When you put feet to thought or hand to thought, or whatever to thought. Now, here in this particular verse that I want to read, Paul has had this discussion, and we were here just a few weeks ago, and, and uh, I want to bring light back on that. Those of you might remember parts of it. Again, not going over the whole thing again, but it's interesting um, that Paul, in the midst of, he's addressed all these uh uh, immoral things and, and pretty much said that here in verse 11 he said such were some of you but you're washed Amen. you got saved you washed what happens when you get saved you get washed by the blood of Jesus right Amen. such were some of you but you were washed but you are sanctified but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God Amen. thank God Amen. now all of a sudden in verse 12 he he switches And he says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient, not beneficial. Now, we discussed that to some degree too, but I want to get somewhere else. 
All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Do you know there are things existing among us today that are lawful, but they're not moral? They were in Paul. He's caught something here. He's identified something. Whoa, hold on. I've got something else to say about this. Somebody or a group of somebodies was doing something that they thought was okay. They were justifying it because it was lawful and I'll tell you what that was. In this day, in Paul's time, sexual sin was legal. Legal. But he's basically saying, hey, that still does not make it right in God's eyes. I'll say this again. This, this is, I think this is the number one assault that we're facing right now. This whole area of just gross, unimaginable. But that's not the only thing. Gee, you'll find in Paul's course of writings and other times where he'd throw the brakes on. I think it's like the Holy Spirit, you know, prompting him just, we got to stop right here a minute. There's, there's things we got to say here, so let's get it said. Writing this letter to this group of church folks. I want you to understand that. Paul wasn't writing to the world. He's writing to a group of church folks. Why do you write something like this to a group of church folks? They're moral, right? Evidently not. Some of them. Folks, i got to be honest. The same is the case today. And immorality is not going to bring you near God. That's why this has got to be addressed. But we got to associate a lot of other things. Now, I want to get into here. Look at verse 13. All of a sudden he says, meats for the belly. What? We're talking about one thing and Paul starts talking about food. That's rather strange, isn't it? Meats for the belly. And the belly for meats. In other words, he's talking about what you eat. Why do he say that for? Well, he says, but God shall destroy both it and them. What he's saying here is you're making equal what you eat with what you're doing. That makes sense? You're not seeing your wrong. You're not seeing your immorality. You're comparing it to food. And comparing it to food was, there was a little argument going on previously of what you could eat and what you couldn't eat which didn't make one iota really of anything. But they were comparing gross sin to their little argument over what you could eat, which is very insignificant. Basically saying, I'm justifying my immoral actions. And I'll paint it however i got to paint it to make it look like it's okay. That can be what Paul's this course of, of, of his writing here is in, very involved in illicit activity. But also, there's other things mentioned previously. Hey, he talked about thievery. He talked about connivery. He talked about fraud. He talked about a lot of things. You know, there are people doing things today that they think is just and okay, and they're ripping people off right and left. 
under the guise of Christianity. They're embezzling, taking it and using it for themselves and giving themselves applause over it. I know because I've seen it. See, sometimes we don't like to identify those things because they don't sound so bad. But it's still immorality. And there's a lot of other things associated. Why did he say all these things if it wasn't important? Now, I want to talk about three things here in the last 15 or 20 minutes we've got that has absolutely to do with morality, immorality, and call it the three little isms. This is some beliefs. Beliefs concerning morals. And this is what they are. Now, as I give them to you, see if you can identify anything and, and select which one you are. First one is absolutionism. Moral absolutionism. It's a belief that morals were created and have always been. Think about that. That morals were created and have always been. It also means that everything is inherently right or wrong and nothing can be done to change it. Does that make sense? It's either right or it's wrong and there's no changing it. Does that make sense? Then there's universalism, moral universalism. Listen to this one. Belief that morals are made and defined by man his ideas and his opinions and that they're subject to change. How could that one get us in trouble? Have we seen any of that lately? Let's just define our own morals. Let's create our own moral. Or our own definition at least. Kind of like talking to Larry Moe and Curry. There you go. Back to him again. Yeah. Too dumb to know the difference. Yeah. What, what can that... What can this type of belief system, what can it do? If man is involved in the creation and the setting of morals, where, have, where are we at? What's going to happen? What's going to be the result of that? No boundaries. Only the imagination that driven by somebody other than God. Because people that do this are not moral. They're immoral to start with. See the degeneration? Mm-hmm. Think of the first one. I think of the second one. Oh, there's a third one to come too. It's called moral relativism. You ever hear that one? Let me tell you what that means. It's a belief that morals are defined by social molding. Molding? and cultural norms, including demands that are relative to the social climate and whatever it may be at the time. You with me so far? It is a belief that there are no rules and no principles to determine right or wrong. Which one are we at? We're definitely in two and three. And pray be to God, we be the first. Because morals were created, right? Who created? God. 
And his morals can't be changed, right? Now, I'm not saying that somebody can't take them and twist them again and manipulate them to make them fit whatever they want them to fit. And I've heard a lot of that lately. Had you? You heard any justification that, you know, well, I kind of like to keep doing what I'm doing, so let me tweak it a little bit. It's like, God, I'm special, so I know I'm not moral, but you'll you'll understand. <laughs> really? Yeah, he'll understand. Mm-hmm. I mentioned starting out where we were Sunday night in 2 Corinthians 5.10 where everybody's going to stand to judgment seat of Christ and be judged for good or bad that they've done in their bodies. How do you think this might apply to morality and immorality? Same thing, good and bad. Yes. We're subjects of the flesh, and because of that, we're subject of trying to get by with whatever we can get by with. Does, it, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one that that's ever happened to, and it's we we see we we've got to get past that. Because we're not going to get by with immorality. And there are those that think, I'm covered under the grace of God, so everything I do is covered, and I'm fine and dandy, and one day I'm going to walk in, and God's going to say, Welcome home, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. That's why we repair ourselves now. That's why we get a a good hold on, on this whole thing. Okay, Lord, as far as moral and immoral, let me weigh in here, individually and personally. Where am I at in this thing? After the fact, it's too late to adjust, by the way. It's now. Um, the... Uh, other thing that is involved here, and I mentioned it a while ago when I said society, but it's a part of society. It makes up society, it affects society, is culture. The culture of immorality, think about that. Do you see one? Are you seeing one? Where'd it come from? Where did all of a sudden this thing splatter all over the scene so quickly and, and just so powerfully? What happened? How did all this immorality just suddenly emerge and seems to be taking over? Because first of all, we've got to know who's driving it. And secondly, we've got to understand who's involved. It's people. A culture is defined as a way of life for an entire society. A way of life. No value for life. Life doesn't mean nothing. If you don't like the way they looked at you, just blow them away. It don't mean nothing. Walk on off and go eat a hot dog. It's over and over and over. The, the, The wickedness is rampant. Things are occurring. I mean, it, it, you can't even keep up with it anymore. The, the murder rate is just blown through the roof nationally. Child abductions and human slavery is just blown. <coughs> what is that? It's immorality. 
a way of life for an entire society, a way of life and associated beliefs that are passed on to the next generation. So what we got now, where's it going? To the next generation, if, if this one survives. Think about that. What hope does that leave for the future? Well, I can go back to the Bible again. Civilization after civilization, culture after culture, society after society, and I can tell you how it ended. And it wasn't a good thing. There were horrific means brought about to try to bring people back to a state of morality when they'd fallen so grossly in the immorality. I'm talking about I'm talking about God's people. I'm not talking about foreign armies. I'm talking about God's people, biblically. Basically the three were pestilence, famine, and sword, which involved exile. I've explained that here before. That's taking you from your familiar surroundings, your familiar life, everything you've ever known, everything you've enjoyed, your family members, your community, and hauling you 5,000 miles to another country and putting you in a labor camp and you can eat through barbed wire fence for a morsel of a maggot that's hanging on a piece of rotten meat. And I know that's extreme. Folks, that's what's possible because of the effect of immorality. And it's like this. God will take his hand off. If people are destining themselves to be immoral, God will pull his hand back. And when he does, it's not. I don't even want to imagine it. Anybody got a comment? We're right on time here. Question. You hear anything that meant anything to you? I mean, but this is what this is about. Speak up. In my profession, we talk a lot about safety culture. And, uh, Did you say safety? Safety okay. culture, yeah. Okay. Um, so it was a very poor safety culture to begin with in the oil and gas industry, and I would relate that to the being immoral. And then it took a couple of guys or five guys or however many it took to notice the culture and to try to make a difference and change it and would be the moral side. So. There is immorality out there, but what are the people that have the good moral standards? What are they good? What are they going to do about it? Right. You just said it. You answered your own question because yeah. you make you do your best to make it better by being moral. Yeah. Somebody's got to see something other than. And if, if if people that were once moral join the immoral club, they're not seeing the better than. And, and I'm not about to stand here and say that, that that's not a, a tough go because sometimes to get something done or get something accomplished, it requires blood, sweat, and tears. That's right. uh, yeah. But see, the, the survival, the survival of society hinges on being morally right, godly, biblical, and I'll say this, 
holy. You cannot be moral without holy. They both got to be together. Anybody else? I don't know what brother was saying. It's not just being moral, but also calling out and exposing the immorality of others. Right? I mean, I, I can't help but sit and believe that part of the reason, if not the for the majority of the reason why we're, we're at, is because of us as believers being quiet, right? And kind of being too passive mm-hmm. and allowing this. Mm-hmm. That, that, well, that is why. And it's gone on for too long. Yes, and, sir. You know, and not saying, you know, and I know you're not saying this, but not in a judgmental way, no. but in a in a it's encouraging funny. way. Right. Do you realize, hey, look, can I talk to you? Do you realize you're destroying yourself? Or you're destroying others? Uh, influence doesn't stop with us. If it's something immoral, it doesn't stop with us. It affects other people. Yes, sir. And tell, it, it affects society, as it has, yes. as we see. Unless Go ahead. You, I want to there's this interconnection there. Judgment begins in the house of God. That's where it really does start. Right? Mm-hmm. A decay of society. You got to start with what is the condition of the church? Exactly. Of that society. Mm-hmm. And because, and I'm with that 100% that we stand for that. But at the same time, we as Christians have got to be absolutely right about what we're doing behind closed doors. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that we honor the Lord when no one else is looking. Amen. And that it's pure. And that I believe that's when we really see results. Um, something has happened in our nation, and it started with the church. Somewhere, the church failed. I agree. Failed on the way they acted, failed on their morality, failed on the way that we presented ourselves, on the whole thing. I mean, we got zeros, you know, failing grade. And to me, that I look at that. I carry that scripture. I think about that a lot. And I think... And, I'm not, and it's not judgmental. I'm not being judgmental. It's Look at the fruit that's being born. It's obvious what has happened. And so I'm thinking, okay, we don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't know. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, there, this could happen or that could happen. Man, all I know is, is I'm just going to make a stand, and I'm just going to stand until the very end. Amen. And yeah, that's it. Influence yeah. the next generation. If they're here still, I, I hope they learn something from me. And the people that were before. Yeah. You, you never go wrong being on the side of morality. Right. You never go wrong. It might be a fight. Yeah, it'll be a fight. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a given pretty much. Not sure. mine, but yeah, it will be. Yeah. Right now, it's it's definitely, it's a, it's a war. It's a it's war. war. Because, you know, you will become against. I promise. Go ahead. Um, talking about morals and everything, I remember growing up where it was also referred to as values. Mm-hmm. Because morals should be something that you value, yeah, yes. that you lock it up and like in a safe inside of you, mm-hmm. and there's no compromising it. There's right. no altering it. It's valuable to you. It's valuable to everything that you stand for and everything you believe in. So, see there. Oh, <laughs> uh, you said compromise. There you go. Compromise is a devious little culprit. Even if it's just a little bit, next time it'll be easier to compromise. And next time it'll be easier than that to compromise. And before long, you're a walking, talking compromise. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you've got to take care of this stuff uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, again, yeah. 
I'm sorry. Sorry. No, I was just uh, going to add too. So, for example, there there's going to come times where you may have to walk away from a job. You may have to give up a lot, you know, in the physical, mm -hmm. so that you're not compromising your morals and everything. Amen. But you have to remember that God's got you. As long as you're following His word, He's got you. Mm -hmm. Very good.